Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Living Hope. We're glad that you're here. Those of you in the room, those of you joining us online, we're glad you're with us too. We like to begin our services with this greeting that Christians have been using for a long, long, long time. The Lord be with you. Thank you. Uh, If I haven't met you yet, my name is Rich Schmidt. I'm the pastor here, and uh, I'd like to lead us in a quick prayer as we begin. In just a second. There's an alarm going off if you can't hear it. Okay. Let's pray. Thank you, God, for, uh, for your goodness to us, for the chance to gather together on this beautiful day to worship you. Uh, God, even though the day is beautiful, you know that for some of us, what's going on in our hearts, in our minds, is, is not so lovely. Uh, we walk in sometimes with uh, weights on our shoulders, with anxiety in our heart. And uh, <clears throat> God, you know better than anyone else all that is going on in our lives and with us right now. Uh, so God, I, I thank you that we have this chance uh, to take an hour to kind of reorient our lives, to recenter ourselves around you, and your love, and your goodness to us. Uh, because, God, it can be so easy for the darkness of everyday life to just feel overwhelming. And we need your light to pierce through that darkness. We, we need to see your love and your grace uh, surrounding us today. So please, God, would you use the songs that we sing, the scriptures we read, the prayers that we pray, the the celebration around the table of our Lord Jesus, would you use all, all that we do in this time together, in this service, uh, would you use it to, to I don't know, to, to pry our eyes open, <laughs> to, to crack open our hearts, to, to be able to receive what we need to from you. You are so good to us, God, and we are so grateful. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, well, you might not recognize uh, the guy behind me here. This is Pete Rubalcaba, right? That's great. Good? Okay, good. Uh, Pete is from our sister church in South Haven, Renovation Church, and we're doing a little musician swap today because uh, Scott Svelbar is up there playing, and Pete has come down to, to lead us. So if you're, uh, if you're interested, Abel, let's stand and let's sing as we begin. Well, thank you so much, Pastor. Uh, well, like the Pastor said, yeah, I'm from the sister church over there, and we send all our love. And uh, I loved when I first walked in the building here. I was just telling uh, Stacy, I think, uh, I just had just a warm feeling walking in here. And uh, uh, it's one of those things, uh, you know, I don't know why. It just, there's some people, you know, that, that they'll come into church and people say, oh, you know, I don't know. That, that person, you know, I remember them from, you know, years ago or whatever. Or somebody outside the church says, oh, I don't know, that person's going to that church. And then they see this change. They're like, I saw him at Walmart. He actually has friends, you know. And, wow, what's going on with that person, you know. And, well, I know what's, I know what's going on. You know what's going on. The love of Jesus. And uh, with that, it's all possible. So uh, with that little celebration here, I'd like to do uh, an old Hank Williams song. Uh, It's called, I'm sure you've heard it, maybe, I Saw the Light. I wandered so aimless, life filled with sin. I wouldn't let my dear Savior in. Then Jesus came like a stranger in the night. Praise the Lord, I saw the light. Come on, I saw the light. 
saw the light No more darkness, no more night Now I'm so happy, no sorrow inside Praise the Lord, I saw the light Just like a blind man, I wandered along. Worries and fears, I claim were my own. Then like a blind man, God give back his sight. Praise the Lord, I saw the light. I saw the light, I saw the light. No more darkness, no more night. Now I'm so happy, no sorrow inside. Praise the Lord, I saw the light. I was a fool to wander and stray for a straight gate and narrows away. Now I have traded the far for the right. Praise the Lord, I saw the light. Come on, I saw the light, I saw the light. No more darkness, no more night. Now I'm so happy, no sorrow inside. Praise the Lord, I saw the Thank you so much. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You know, it wasn't uh, but just a few years ago that uh, I was out. I was wandering, and, you know, I thought I had it all together, you know. And uh, why didn't I take the shortcut, Pastor Schmidt? I could just come straight to the love of Jesus and then, you know, I was looking to, thought the guitar would do it. You know, I thought a nice car would do it, you know. And uh, maybe if I'm at the right vacation spot, maybe that's it. I don't know, you know. If I had a boat, maybe if I had a nice bass boat, you know. But guess what? I could have took the shortcut and uh, just come straight to the love of Jesus. Then, then everything comes together. So I just needed a fly away I guess Some glad morning when this life is over I fly away to a home on God's celestial shore, I'll fly away. I'll fly away, your glory, I'll fly away. When I die, hallelujah, by and by, I'll fly away. 
just a few more weary days and then I'll fly away to a land where joy shall never end. I'll fly away. Yeah, I'll fly away your glory. I'll fly away. When I die, hallelujah, by and by, I'll fly away. I'll fly away. All right. All right. Okay, so, uh, next song is called God of Wonders. Boy, what a great name. How perfectly uh, titled. Um, I think you'll like this one. You've probably heard it before. I think Pastor said they've done this here before a few times. I love singing this song. It brings just right from the heart. Lord of all creation Of water, earth, and sky Heavens are your tabernacle Glory to the Lord on high God of wonders beyond your galaxy You are holy, holy Universe declares your majesty You are holy, holy Lord Lord of heaven and earth Ooh, yeah Early in the morning I will celebrate the light and when I stumble in the darkness I will call your name by night God of wonders beyond your galaxy you are holy holy Universe declares your majesty. You are holy, holy, Lord of heaven and 
Lord of heaven and earth. Hallelujah to the Lord of heaven and earth. Hallelujah the Lord of heaven and earth. Hallelujah Lord of heaven. God of wonders beyond your galaxy, you are holy, holy, precious Lord, reveal your heart to me, Father, hold me, hold me, universe declares your majesty you are holy 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 amen amen i invite you to pray with me this morning father you are a god of wonders beyond anything we could imagine, beyond anything we could ever fathom, Lord. You are so much bigger, so much greater. And yet you came to earth as a man, as a child, as a baby, knowing full well, Lord, that your purpose here was to die and re resurrect again so that we can be reconciled to you. What an awesome, amazing, unthinkable thing that you've done for us, Lord. And it was done out of your great love for us. And I, Lord, I can't thank you enough. We collectively can't thank you. There's, there's not enough words. There's not enough time for us to ever be able to really express our gratitude to you for that, Lord. What a great thing you've done in us and through us and with us and in spite of us, Lord. We, we do thank you this morning. Father, it's, it's a beautiful day today, and it's, it just changes our outlook on so many things, Lord. When the sun is shining, and, and when the birds are singing, and the earth is turning green, and the flowers are blooming, and all of those things, they change our perspective. But that doesn't mean, Lord, that hard things aren't happening in our lives, and, and it doesn't mean that there aren't stressors, and there aren't challenges, and there aren't trials that we're going through. So, Father, we ask that... Just like the physical sun shines on us, that you would shine on us this morning in the midst of anything that's going on in our lives, everything that's going on in our lives, the good things, the hard things, the bad things, the fun things, Lord. We ask that you would just shine on us this morning. Be with us in this time. You've invited us here, Lord. Your presence was here before we walked in here, and it's going to stay here when we leave and you'll also go with us from this place. So, Lord, be with us in this moment, in these moments. 
May we hear from you in the words that you've given to Pastor Rich this morning. May we hear from you in everything that's said and done in this place. From the platform here to the people that are sitting around at the tables. Lord, may your presence just be known. Be with the remainder of the service. Be with Pastor Rich. Give him a special something this morning. And may our ears be open and our hearts be willing to hear what it is you have to say to each and every one of us. And for all this, Lord, we do give you all the honor and the praise and the glory and the blessing. For you alone are worthy. Amen and amen. Well, the peace of the Lord be with each one of you. Take a few moments, if you will, and pass the peace amongst yourselves. Hit the button. There we go. Hopefully everybody got one of these little uh, little bulletin type things when you came in. Let you know what's going on around here. And uh, uh, <clears throat> uh, on the back of there are some things, some announcements, some things going on. Um, one of those is uh, we're having breakfast after this service. So if you're able to stick around, uh, then Howard and the guys are in the kitchen. We'll hear them messing with stuff during the service because they're gonna they're getting the scrambled eggs ready and all the rest. And uh, we'll have breakfast together. And hopefully you'll get a chance to meet some of the people that usually come at 10:30 or the person that usually sits on the other side of the room. And you get to shake their hand on Sunday, but you never sat down and, and talked talked with them. So you'll have you know 20 minutes, half an hour to just hang out and talk if you'd like. So um, oh, I should mention too that. Uh, yeah, if you'd like, you can use your phone or whatever and, and connect with us that way, especially those of you who are joining us online. If you want to go to livinghope.info slash connect and let us know you're with us and how we can pray for you. Uh, all of you in the room, of course, you can just grab one of those little green cards back there and jot your note on it, your feedback, your question, your prayer request, whatever it might be. Drop it in the offering box. If you're giving today, you can drop that in there as well. Um, oh, speaking of offering, there's nothing on the screen for this, but I wanted to thank all of you who contributed in some way to the 6K. Some of you came out and walked yesterday. Some of you uh, registered, and you had to do your walk another time, and you've texted me or sent me a picture or something like that that you were, you were walking some other time. But thank you to all of you who gave so generously. Uh, thousands of kids uh, got clean water between all the different places around the world where people were walking, running for clean water. And uh, I wanted to make sure. Uh, they, they used to be back in the day. They would send all the medals to us the finisher's medals, and, uh, and we would put them around your neck. Now they just send them right to you with your T-shirt. And so I didn't get to say this to very many people yesterday as people were wrapping up their, their 6K. But uh, when you run a race, uh, like if you get to run the Chicago Marathon or something like that and they give you a medal at the end, that's your finisher's medal saying, congratulations, you finished. You didn't win, but you finished, right? Uh, <clears throat> I've never won a marathon, but I've gotten finisher's medals from, from running them. I made it all the way to the finish line. Um, so they give out these finisher's medals for the 6K, uh, but it's not because you finished your 6K. It's not to celebrate that. It's that you finished uh, the walk that some child or some woman in another country has had to make day after day after day. That's one of the things that when we do those five laps around that park and we, some of us just like barely finish it, I think, man, how on earth do women and kids in other places do this every single day, half of it lugging water back to their home? Uh, that isn't even clean water. So thank you to those of you who helped finish that walk for some folks uh, yesterday. And uh, you can still go to valpo6k.com if you want and, and make a donation uh, right there to World Vision. Or 
If you go to Valpo6k.com, you scroll down a little bit, there's a link to, to sign up to join us for next year's 6K, and there's a discount code good through the end of the month that's half off your registration. So if you register now, you get half off your registration for next year. So anyway, that's all at Valpo6k.com. Uh, <clears throat> I do need to mention these little baby bottles that are on the table still. If, uh, if you want to participate in the baby bottle boomerang, that's to benefit the Women's Center. We put these out uh, right around Mother's Day, and we invite you to give to help the Women's Center because they are helping women who, uh, young moms, who might not be sure about being a mom, and uh, they maybe you're considering abortion, um, and the Women's Center comes alongside and helps them choose life for their child, and helps connect them with resources, and helps them uh, to know their child, and all of that. So if you'd like to contribute, or volunteer, or just pray for the child whose name is on the inside of that bottle, that would be wonderful. If you do uh, end up putting an offering inside there, uh, you can bring it back and just leave it back by the offering box. We want that back by next Sunday, so that we can give it all back to them, okay? So if you're going to give to the Women's Center, uh, make sure you, and you're using one of those bottles, make sure you bring it back by next week so we can get it to the Women's Center. And, um, or you can go to friendsofthewc.org and you can give there as well. And uh, yesterday was a great day for bikes. They gave away 25 bikes, I think I heard, and, uh, and received like six or 10 donation, donated bikes. And uh, they do that, they're going to do that every month through the summer, and the next one is June 10th. So if you know somebody who, uh, who has a bike, wants a bike, needs a bike, uh, yeah, let them know. June 10th, they can pick one up right out here in the parking lot. Okay? That's just a fun way for us to partner with another organization to serve the community. So uh, with, uh, with today, with us having breakfast between the services, I don't think, was there anything else I missed? Something I was supposed to talk about and didn't? I don't think so. Okay, good. Uh, <clears throat> with us having breakfast between the services today, it's one of those days where, like, I really have to make sure that I get out on time. So I thought I would pick something easy and light to talk about, something I could just breeze through without having to think about it too hard or, you know, that, that sort of thing. So, you know, I thought I'd tackle the topic of violence in the, in the Old Testament. Right? That's, that's easy, right? Of course. Um, we're making our way through the Bible, and you might have noticed along the way, maybe uh, along the way in Exodus at some point, or actually, I mean, there's violence going on <laughs> throughout the scriptures, uh, but especially as we start, they start to talk about entering into the promised land, and, and we hear it in Deuteronomy a couple of times, some, some moments that's like, is God really telling them to do what it sounds like God is telling them to do? It sounds like he's saying, wipe them all out. Like, it sounds like he's commanding genocide or something, and we read that, and and my guess is, if you read that, there's something in you that went, hmm, you know, what, wait, what? Is that, I'm, I'm here because I've, you know, I met Jesus and fell in love with Jesus and the picture of God we see in Jesus. And now I'm reading the Bible to get to know this God better. And I'm coming across stuff like this. What do I do with, with this? Since we're in the book of Deuteronomy this month, Deuteronomy chapter 7, uh, I put there in your notes. It says, when the Lord your God brings you into the land you're entering to possess and and when he drives out before you many nations, the, the Hittites, Girgashites, Amorites, Canaanites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites, seven nations larger and stronger than you, and when the Lord your God has delivered them over to you and you've defeated them, then you must destroy them totally. Make no treaty with them and show them no mercy. E. Yikes. Do not intermarry with them. Do not give your daughters to their sons or take their daughters for your sons, for they will turn your children away from following me to serve other gods, and the Lord's anger will burn against you and will quickly destroy you. This is what you're to do to them. Break down their altars, smash their sacred stones, cut down their Asherah poles, and burn their idols in the fire, for you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you out of all the peoples on the face of the earth to be his people, his treasured possession." So, you know, next time you make a move, you move into the neighborhood, 
and your neighbors are worshiping somebody other than Jesus? You know, no, no. But I mean, what do we do with the stuff like this, right? Um, what do we do with things that sounds like God is saying, kill them all? Um, and it's not just aimed at other nations. Sometimes he's talking to them and what they should do to each other, in fact. Deuteronomy chapter 13 says, If your very own brother or your son or daughter or the wife you love or your closest friend secretly entices you saying, Hey, let us go and worship other gods. Gods that neither you nor your ancestors have known. Gods of the peoples around you, whether near or far, from one end of the land to the other. Do not yield to them or listen to them. Show them no pity. Do not spare them or shield them. You must certainly put them to death. Your hand must be the first in putting them to death, and then the hands of all the people. So it's like it's not enough that like it's like you have to go first, and then your neighbors can join in. Stone them to death because they tried to turn you away from the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Then all Israel will hear and be afraid, and no one among you will do such an evil thing again. Um, I don't know about you, but I, I, I kind of wish that stuff like this wasn't in the Bible, right? I mean, that's things that read those kinds of things, I think, well, that, that just kind of stinks, you know? I, I, don't, I have to do something with that now. I mean, every now and then, uh, <clears throat> people, well, I guess I'm, I'm thinking back to, uh, to 9-11 and when there was a whole like, kind of a groundswell of animosity toward, toward Muslims in this country, and people were saying, oh, you know, their scriptures are violent. You know, if you read the Quran, it's full of all this violence and telling them to do these terrible things. And I'm thinking, well, have you, have you read our Bible? I mean, our, our Bible contains some pretty nasty stuff in it. Things like this, what we've just read today. Now, I know we have a tendency to just kind of skim over that, or at least I do. Um, I have a tendency to read past that and like, okay, that's not like what I want to read in my morning devotions. Let's, let's get to something that like speaks to my heart or something. You know, something that's going to encourage me today because I, I got a tough day coming up and I don't... I don't want to spend my day meditating on, like, killing people. Now, I know that these were violent times, you know. I mean, we live in violent times today. Although violence kind of in, in our society is, is on the decline. I know sometimes watching the news it sounds like everything's getting worse and worse and worse. But statistics show that, no, violent crime is, is really decreasing in, in our society. Uh, but around the world there's still quite a bit of violence that takes place. And, we, we do read about that on the news, wars that, uh, <clears throat> that break out and, and, uh, and that last and last and last. Um, but we think back sometimes to that time and think, well, it was just a, it was a very violent time. And, you know, there's violence all around them. But we're reading things that sound like God is telling them to do this. That God is ordaining this violence. What do we do with that? Um, See, I don't want us to be the kind of church that just skips over that stuff. That's why we're going to go ahead and kind of bring it out in the open today. And I will have to tell you right now, I'm not going to reach some nice, fun resolution by the end of this message. Okay? I apologize. Um, wow, I really shouldn't have picked the day that we're having breakfast together. Like, our stomachs are all going to be, you know, knotted up, I'm afraid, when it comes time to throw some scrambled eggs in there. Uh, <clears throat> unfortunately, there's, there's not a way for me to just neatly resolve all that tension by the end of this message, all right? This is a tension that we have to live with as Christians, as people who follow Jesus, who, who came as the, the culmination of the story of the people of Israel. Who, who, this was the Bible that he read. Deuteronomy was the book he quoted. When he's tempted in the wilderness by the devil, he quotes Deuteronomy three different times to resist that, those temptations. 
And he refers to it time and time again. We've already seen the most important commandment. He draws it from Deuteronomy. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. He draws that right from this same book that contains things like what we just read. Oh, what, I, what I do want to do is, uh, is walk through some options and some ways that we can move forward uh, as we try to figure out what do we do with things like what we just read. All right, Christians have tried all kinds of different approaches, and I, I get to... Uh, to, I, I owe a lot of these uh, to this book, Flood and Fury, by somebody named Matthew Lynch. Uh, if you're interested, it's Old Testament Violence and the Shalom of God. I've got it men- it's mentioned at the end of your notes, so if you, uh, if you, don't, have, uh, you don't have to try to scribble it down. Um, ooh, although I don't think I got it for you who are watching from home. It's called Flood and Fury by Matthew Lynch. Um, if you put that into Amazon, you'll, you'll find it. Um, he talks about some of the different options that Christians have taken over the years, and, and some of them are better than others, Okay. Um, you might, there might be one of these that you're like, yep, this is the one that I land on. This is what feels right to me. This is the option I take. And, uh, you might, I don't know, somebody sitting across the table from you might say, no, I can't go that route, but I can, I can take this option. Uh, or you might mix and match these. You might find yourself saying, yeah, I, a little bit of that and a little bit of that. And that kind of helps me figure, figure out how to, how to live with this sitting in my sacred scriptures that I look to, that I believe reveals God to us. So some options that Christians have tried over the years. The first one is just to reject it. And the motto for this one is the Old Testament's infected, just get rid of it all. Um, the Old Testament was, a, was about a God who was violent and about, you know, God who, who liked to throw, you know, snakes and lightning bolts and plagues and things at people. And uh, <clears throat> that's just not the God we read about in Jesus. So just forget that whole Old Testament. Just read the New Testament. Just focus on Jesus and, and forget any of that exists. There was somebody tried that way back in the early church named Marcion and uh, he, uh, he actually did. He like basically cut out the Old Testament, which then he had to cut out big chunks of the New Testament that referred back to the Old Testament because he believed, like, oh, that's a different God entirely than the God we see in Jesus. And the church, on the whole, rejected that, said, we can't do that. I mean, this is the Bible Jesus read. This is the, the God of the Old Testament is the God revealed to us in Jesus Christ. And so we can't just forget about the Old Testament. We can't just reject it out of hand. So my apologies if that's your preferred option. Uh, the church has said, no, don't do that, all right? That doesn't, that doesn't work. Uh, spiritualize it is another option. Uh, again, this uh, started way back in the early church. Uh, named Origen was famous for doing this, um, who would take a story like the, the killing of these seven different nations that were in that land, and, and he would say, you know, like, well, think about us. You know, like, these, these are within our, it's like, this is within the human heart, this, this tendency toward idolatry, this tendency to worship other things. And so let's make sure that we cut that out of us. Let's make sure that we totally destroy anything in us that might, you know, pull us away from God. And you kind of spiritualize it, right? This is what the devotional book could do with this, I suppose, right? Um, so the, the motto for that, that option is, you know, things aren't what they seem. You know, so maybe that didn't really happen. Maybe it did, maybe it didn't. But what we take from it is, is a spiritual lesson not like a practical lesson of what you should do to your neighbors next time you move, right? What, what we should take from this is, is a spiritual lesson about, uh, you know, what we need to do about our own hearts, our own tendency to, to wander from God. And, uh, and I'll say there's, I don't know, there's a little bit of appeal to that, right? It kind of reminds me of when Jesus says, you know, if your right hand tempts you to sin, cut it off. You know, if your right eye causes you to sin, you know, cut it out. You know, Christians haven't taken that to mean a literal, like, chop your hand off or gouge your eye, at least none of us in this room have, and we should have probably at some point if, if we were taking him to mean that literally, but we hear Jesus say that, and we understand he means, take this seriously. You know, this is, sin is a big deal. You, you don't want to 
go down that road. And so some would read this and say, well, this is what he's doing here, too. He doesn't really intend for them to kill them, but he wants them to know just how serious it is to, to wander from God. Uh, the third option would be the, what they call the divine command theory. Uh, a guy named Augustine was one who uh, appreciated this, this option that basically says, well, God commanded it, that settles it. You know, so if God, if God commanded it, God can't do sin, God can't be unjust, God can't uh, be immoral. So if God commanded it, it must be right. And, uh, and so if God, if God said to wipe them all out, well, then they must deserve it. And, uh, and that's just what God wants to have happen. So it, it's not wrong. Um, and there are a couple things in the Bible that kind of lean toward this view. I mean, way back in the time of Abraham, when God was speaking to him about what would happen someday, that your, your descendants will inherit this land, but first they're going to go and be slaves in a distant land for, I think he says, 400 years. And God says to Abraham, because the sin of the Amorites hasn't yet reached its, its full, hasn't, hasn't come to completion. It's like, these guys are doing wrong, and, and someday it's gonna, uh, their, their wickedness is going to deserve punishment and removal from this land, but they, they're not there yet, so I'm going to move your descendants off to the side for a while until finally they deserve it. There's something in Deuteronomy, too, I didn't get a chance to, to quote it in here, uh, where God says to them, it's not because you're so righteous that you're going to inherit this land, it's because the people who live there are wicked, and they need to be expelled, uh, driven out, or destroyed. That's, that's why you're getting this, because he says, <laughs> God says, you, you guys are stiff-necked people. You're, you're rebellious. You, know, you don't deserve this good gift. It's not because you've earned this. You're not, you're not righteous, but, but they're getting what's coming to them, and, and you're getting to, uh, to enjoy the land then. So that's this, that idea that if God says it, well, then it must be right, even if we don't understand it. Uh, fourth option would be to say, well, times change. Uh, some people call this progressive revelation. You know, the, the motto is that God works differently over time. You know, that God might have commanded that then, but now he commands us to do differently, right? And we know that God commands us differently through Jesus. Jesus tells us to love our enemies, to turn the other cheek, to, you know, that says don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And so, uh, so there's some appeal to this idea, I suppose. There's, there's, uh, there's kind of two versions of this, too. One, one that, uh, that Matthew Lynch calls the hard version of this says God really did command them to do this back then, but now God, you know, now God's commanding us to do differently. And a softer version of this would say, uh, well, they, they thought God was commanding that back then. Um, but now we know better that God doesn't command us to do that. And uh, so two different ways of thinking like, well, maybe, maybe we are seeing more clearly now than, than they saw then. Or maybe God truly does work differently over time. The times, the times that they were living in called for that. The time we're living in does not. That would be this time change option. Do you see what we're doing? I'm not saying that all these options are good or great. Uh, I'm not saying you've got to believe all these, but these are some of the different options that are available to us as Christians. Uh, well, at least some of them. Reject it when I'd say, no, you can't, can't go down that route. But uh, these are options that Christians have, have tried, is trying to deal with this. My hope is that if this is something that has really bothered you, or you've got a friend that this has really bothered, and this has maybe caused them to, to give up on Christian faith because of the violence we see in the Bible, I want you to have something that you can share with them. Like, well, there are ways that Christians have tried to deal with this. Uh, the fifth one is that just old ways of speaking. Uh, that most of these are exaggerations, perhaps, that, that, uh, <clears throat> that when people in those days, uh, that these are like figures of speech, essentially. Uh, that people in those days would exaggerate their victories. Um, and we kind of know this from some other writings in that time, that this did happen, that they would say, like, and we totally destroyed them, meaning just like, well, we won. You know, it doesn't mean that they, it's kind of like if you, uh, 
who was I just talking to? They were talking, oh, yesterday I was talking to somebody who'd been at a Cubs game, and, uh, and they were, it was a doubleheader, and, they, and I said, well, how was it? And they said, well, one was fine, and the other one, man, they killed us. And I didn't respond with like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry to hear that. They, they murdered the player. That's awful. I didn't, why didn't I hear this on the news? No, it was an expression he was using to say, man, they, they wiped us out. They, they scored a lot more points than, than our team did, you know, right? Um, and so there's this uh, option would say, you know what? None of this was intended to be a literal description of what happened. This is a way they would speak about winning over an enemy uh, or about, you know, if they, if they defeated the enemy and took over their town, they might say, and we wiped them all out and left no one alive. And like, well, really, a whole bunch of people escaped. But the way they described it was this. I don't know. That's one option. Um, <clears throat> a sixth one would be cultural projection, the idea that uh, uh, these ancient Israelites were projecting their violent tendencies onto God. It says, like, this is how the world works, and so if, if God's moving us into that land, then, okay, that means we gotta, we're going to kill them all. Or these people have been mean to us, which that's some of the stories we read. Like, these people welcomed you, so you make a treaty with them. These people didn't welcome you, and so God commands you to wipe them out. It's like, were they just projecting their own violent tendencies onto God? And was God just allowing himself to be misunderstood? Um, that's one, that's one option. The seventh one is just mysterious ways. Uh, not the U2 song. Mysterious ways. Embrace the mystery of it all. That just says, we don't understand. We don't understand how this could be just. We don't understand how this fits with the, the mercy of God and the compassion of God, the love of God we see in other places. We just have to chalk this up to, we don't understand. There's mystery there. And there's definitely some truth to this. I mean, we do not understand God. His ways are higher than ours. We don't understand God like we can understand another person. And even people are mysterious. You know, I've been married to Stacy for 20-something years, and uh, <clears throat> I can't say that I under I know her well, but can I say I know everything about her? No. Right? There's still mystery in any relationship. Um, it's 26 years. It'll be 27 this December. So, right? I think I got that right. Okay. <laughs> She's like, eh, close enough. All right. I think that's right. Let me see. 96. Yep. No. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> so embrace the mystery of it all. Uh, and then the eighth one is, is cross-centered. Um, there's another pastor who's recently written a book that I think he's responding to with this one. The idea that the cross trumps earlier violent revelations of God. That says we've got to read all of this in light of the cross and what Jesus endured on the cross. And, and if when we look at the cross, we, we see you know, like just a, a one more person being executed by Rome, but we know the truth is that this was God at work to redeem all mankind. But what it looks like is just another person dying at the hands of the Romans. And so uh, this idea would say, well, if God was willing to be misunderstood, willing to do this amazing work while everyone else just thought it was, you know, some guy dying, then perhaps God has been willing to be misunderstood at other times as well. And we know what God really wanted, but he allowed his people, if they misunderstood him, he didn't force us to, he didn't just blow us away by revealing the truth about himself. Just like in Jesus dying on the cross, he doesn't just say, no, no, this isn't just somebody dying. This is, you know, God allows himself to be misunderstood. And so we, we read all of that through, through the lens of the cross. And these are just eight. There are probably more options. Um, I know uh, Matt Lynch says, uh, for him, he says, well, there's a little bit of this and a little of that. He mentions like four different ones that, that kind of together combine to help him to wrestle through this and make sense of what's going on and, and to, to find a way through 
these passages. I'm guessing as I read those, for some of you are like, oh, yeah, that one makes a lot of sense to me. And others of you are like, oh, I don't know if I like any of those, right? Uh, if this is an area of struggle for you, I would love to talk with you because it's not the kind of thing, like I said, that we can resolve in a Sunday morning message. Uh, but it is present here in our scriptures, and we have to do something with it. And so to find our way forward, uh, Lynch suggests a handful of steps that we might take or things that we might do. All right? These aren't options. We're just thinking about how do I conceptualize this or make peace kind of intellectually with it. This is what do you actually do then? And the first one is just to be shocked. To be honest, if it shocks you to read these things, then be shocked. Don't just skip past it and say, oh, well, no, I know God wouldn't do that, so I'm just going to... No, go ahead and be shocked by the violence, by the portrayal of God that you see there. And the second one is just hear it out. You know, spend time with it. He actually suggested slowing down. Instead of speeding up to rush past it, slow down. Read the passage thoroughly. You know, see, there, there might be something you see there that you're like, oh, I hadn't noticed that before. Oh, God is actually being compassionate in a way that I hadn't recognized. Or you might see something in that story that you didn't see because you weren't willing to hear it out. So hear it out. And this third suggestion, I, this is important enough, he broke into more and I want to do the same. Let the whole Old Testament focus our attention. Uh, don't get so narrow focused on this one aspect that you lose the context that it's situated in, the, the broader story of the Old Testament. For example, Genesis 1. Right at the beginning, the, we don't see a picture of, of violence we see a picture of, of peace, of shalom, of God creating a good world. You, you look at some of the creation stories of other cultures, especially around that time, and they were saturated with violence. The gods were fighting against each other, and we human beings end up uh, getting created as a result of some cosmic battle. And Genesis doesn't do that. It's got God ordering a good and peaceful world and creating us in the midst of it. Now, yes... Violence breaks in. We bring violence into the picture. And that is something then that God is at work to redeem, to, to restore. We, we start out with peace and we're headed toward peace. And violence is a, is a temporary stop on the way. Uh, I mentioned Joshua chapters 2 and 6 and the book of Ruth. Uh, there are other parts of the Old Testament story as we read them that we realize, oh, hang on a minute. In this part, God's saying, kill them all. But in this part, you know, as they... As they move in in the book of Joshua, and they approach the city of Jericho, there's Rahab, a Canaanite, one that they should be destroying, and instead she shelters them, she professes faith in their God, they rescue her and welcome her into the people. And the story of Ruth is about a, a Moabite who is welcomed into the family, who they do intermarry with her, and she's like the grandmother, great-grandmother, I forget, of, of King David. You know, is this Moabite, this outsider that, according to Deuteronomy, you should never have allowed that to happen. And so there are other parts of the story that we're like, okay, wait a minute. So this, this isn't the whole story. This ugly bit is not the whole story. And, and back to who God reveals himself to be in Exodus 34, verses 6 and 7. We spent some time with this, and I forgot to put it up on the screen for you. I apologize. But this is where God reveals himself to Moses. Right after Moses has kind of talked God down from destroying the people for their wickedness. God reveals himself as the God who is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, who extends this loving faithfulness to, to a thousand generations, but he doesn't let the wicked go unpunished. He will punish up to three or four generations, he says, of those who reject God. So God reveals himself as, as this God who is compassionate to 
thousands of generations, but he will punish the wicked for three or four. So the picture of God we see there is a God who, yes, he, he brings justice. He doesn't let oppressors go on oppressing, but, but man, his compassion far outweighs his judgment. We see a God who is merciful time and time again. Didn't have time to mention like the book of Jonah where, where this evil city, 40 days and you'll be destroyed. And as soon as they repent, God says, okay, never mind, I won't destroy you. Uh, time and time again in the Old Testament, as people turn to God, they, they find themselves forgiven, not destroyed. Okay, uh, we've got to keep moving. Read toward Jesus and says, as a Trinitarian, as one who realizes that Jesus really is God revealed in the flesh. And so we read, as we read the story, we realize this is headed toward Jesus. And so somehow what I'm reading, I don't know how yet, but somehow this is a book that deeply informed Jesus and his understanding. And so when Jesus becomes the person he is and teaches as he does and draws from these scriptures, you know, Jesus knew this was all part of it. This is the, the scripture. And, and Jesus was present and at work in these stories in some way because we believe that God is Father, Son, and Spirit from, from the beginning of time, from before time began, I should say. Uh, the next thing is to check our social location. You know, we, we tend to read these stories and think, well, they're the people of God, we're the people of God, and so we just identify ourselves with Israel, and if Israel's okay to go in and God approves them moving in and destroying the people who live there, then you know what? When we're moving into this new land, we could just, we, we've got freedom to destroy the people who live here on this continent, and we'll just move in and take their land. I mean, after all, that's what the people of God did back then, and we see ourselves connected with Israel, um, and we forget sometimes that, well, maybe that should be part of that let the Bible bite back <laughs> part. The challenge are, are us and what, what we are involved in. The violence that we might be connected to. Um, but the social location one, just real quick. Israel at the time was a, a weak nation. He mentions these nations are all stronger than you. And that's why God is involved in driving them out. And now we, as Americans in the room anyway, we are part of the most powerful nation on the planet. You know, we probably should be connecting ourselves more with those Canaanites or Girgashites or whoeverites in our big walled city and kind of chuckle at these former slaves turned immigrants who are marching around our city. You know, who, who do we think we are in this story? And yeah, we need to let the Bible bite back at us. Maybe as we read these stories and take time with them, God will use them to challenge the violence that we approve of all the time. Uh, I forget the statistic, but he was looking at like the number of people that probably lived in Canaan at the time was far less than the number of people who have died in the war in Afghanistan or who have died in the war in Iraq. In fact, it's probably like multiples more have died in those wars than, than if Israel did go in and wipe out everybody that lived in that land. Fewer people would have died than what we have seen die just in our own lifetimes in the wars that we have led. So maybe the Bible and these stories of violence uh, can challenge us. And yes, orient to mystery. Understand, we, we do not understand it all. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 13 says, I know in part, it's like looking in a cloudy mirror. There are some things I'm sure of, but there are other things I'm not. We need to understand that God's ways are higher than ours. We're going to be looking at the book of Job next month. And the book of Job ends with Job kind of admitting, oof, I have spoken of things I did not understand. You know, God kind of puts Job in his place. It's like there's, there's so much more to what you're doing, God, than, than what I know. And the last one is to, is to wrestle for blessing. <laughs> Looking back at that story from Genesis 32 of Jacob wrestling with God and saying, yeah, we need, to, we need to go ahead and wrestle with this. Don't move too quick past it. Don't just reject it. Don't pretend it's not an, a problem. Go ahead and wrestle with it and see if God doesn't work. Your, your view of God, your view of Scripture, your, your, <laughs> your comfort with the whole thing might take a hit 
just like Jacob walked away with a limp. But you might find yourself walking away with a, a more well-rounded picture of who God is. You might find yourself walking away blessed. Now, I did want to close with a couple of scriptures from the New Testament. Um, uh, it kind of shows my hand at kind of some of the directions that I lean with some of these things, I suppose. Hebrews chapter 1 starts out by saying, In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom he also he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. And the whole book of Hebrews goes on to say, like, man... The way God revealed himself to us in Jesus is so much better than the way God had revealed himself to the people through the prophets and through the Old Testament. If you want to see clearly who God is, you can't just jettison the Old Testament, but you've got to read it all in light of the God revealed in Jesus Christ. And the God who's revealed in Jesus is a God who shows up and doesn't overthrow the Romans, doesn't lead a revolt, doesn't draw a sword, the God we see revealed in Jesus is the one who comes alongside those being killed by that empire, who allows himself to be crucified on a cross along with two common thieves. If the stories of this violence in the Old Testament make us think, well, man, God's always on the side of the violent or God is on the side of the oppressors, the God we see in Jesus is a God who definitely comes alongside the oppressed, the victimized, the killed. Christ suffers with us and for us. In Peter's first letter that we have in our New Testament, he says, To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you've returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Uh, if the violence we've read about as we made our way through Deuteronomy, or that if you continue your way through the Bible, you will read more of it. If this has been pushing you back from Christian faith, I encourage you, uh, get close, <laughs> wrestle with it, uh, hold on to Jesus. Uh, don't let go. He's not letting go of you. All right? We don't check our brains at the door. We don't say, well, yeah, I just don't understand. You know, we have to wrestle with this. We have to realize this is part of our scriptures. This is the God who reveals himself in Jesus. And somehow God's compassion and his justice, God's coming alongside the victims while at the same time putting an end to those who are victimizing them. This is the God that's revealed for us in Jesus Christ. This is the God who invites us to leave behind our own violent tendencies and to follow the Prince of Peace. This is the God who invites us to, uh, to apologize, to repent of our own failures, to, to love our neighbors and to love him with all that we are and to receive from him grace, forgiveness. So we're going to approach him for that right now in prayer and in the celebration of communion. If you would bow your heads with me. God, we are grateful to you. Now, that these aren't the only stories we find in our scriptures. We are grateful that uh, the, the overarching story of the Bible is one of a good God 
who creates us to love us and to live in relationship with us. And yes, God, we have messed this thing up. We see that in the story. We see it in our own lives. And God, sometimes we are extremely grateful that you bring your judgments, that you bring justice, that you put an end to oppression. Because sometimes, God, we are the ones on the receiving end of that violence. And we're so glad that you put a stop to that violence. God, just to be honest, it's, it's difficult for us to, to wrestle with some of these stories in Scripture. Oh, but we believe that the, that the story itself, the in, in, its, in its entirety, reveals to us still a good God who loves us, who will not let his people go, even when we fail you. You are compassionate and gracious. You are slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. And God, we thank you for maintaining that love and faithfulness right down to the present day. Where messed up people like us can admit to you that we have not loved you with our whole heart, soul, mind, and strength. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We confess our sins. We confess our need of your mercy and grace. And we are so grateful that when we confess our sins, you are faithful and just and forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Thank you, God, that we get to celebrate this in this sacrament of Holy Communion where we offer to you this bread and this juice and remember that Jesus offered his body and his blood so that we could be set free. You received our violence, Jesus, and you transformed it into something that gives life to us today. We don't understand it, God, but we are incredibly grateful for the love you have shown us in your son, Jesus Christ. We are thankful that today, by your Holy Spirit living in us, working in us, that you are changing us into a kind of people who can share your love and grace with the people around us. So God, today we offer these gifts of bread and juice to you, and we pray that by your Spirit's presence here, we might meet our crucified and risen Savior in his body and in his blood. We offer ourselves to you and pray that by your Spirit's presence and work in our lives, that you might continue to change us from the inside out to live in this world as the body of Christ, as your hands and feet, as your sons and daughters, embraced by you, God adopted into your family, and sent out with this good news that all are welcome, that your love knows no bounds. We are so grateful. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you pray with me the prayer that Jesus taught us? Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.
Amen. We're going to celebrate communion right now. Uh, Pete's going to come up and lead us in, uh, there he is, in one last song. And uh, I'll be here with a basket of bread and a cup of juice. As we sing, you're invited to come forward, take bread, dip it in the juice, and eat it, and then return to your seats. We've got the regular little pita bread or the gluten-free round wafers, or we've got the little individual cups if you'd uh, prefer one of those. Or if you can't make your way forward, uh, we've got the those little cups on the table as well. And as we sing, as we celebrate, you're invited to, to peel that back and get to the bread and peel it back and get to the juice. Um, this is open to all of us who are saying yes to Jesus today. <laughs> all of us who are aware of our need of his grace. Uh, so let's celebrate. Let's give him thanks. the Lord of all the earth would care to know my name would care to fear my hurt who am I that the bright and morning star would choose to light the way of my ever wandering heart not because of who I am, but because of what you've done. Not because of what I've done, but because of who you are. I am a flower quickly fading, here today and gone tomorrow. A wave tossed in the ocean vapor in the wind still you hear me when I'm calling Lord you catch me when I'm falling and you've told me who I am I am yours Who am I that the eyes that see my sin would look on me with love and watch me rise again? Who am I that the voice that comes to see would call out through the rain and calm the storm in me? Not because of who I am, but because of what you've done. Not because of what I've done, but because of who you are. I am a flower quickly fading, here today and gone tomorrow. A wave toss in the ocean. A vapor in the wind Still you hear me when I'm calling Lord, 
you catch me when I'm falling You told me who I am I am yours I am yours Amen God thank you Thank you that we can sing that uh, with confidence that I am yours, that you have grabbed a hold of us uh, from all the different places where we've been, all the messes that we've made. God, you reached out to us in love and you brought us to yourself. Thank you, God, for the amazing grace and love that you've shown to each one of us and the same grace and love that now you invite us to share with the people that you send us to. Uh, Thank you, God. Thank you. Fill us with your spirit, we pray, that we might live as your people in your world. And, uh, and first, God, we pray that you'd help us to enjoy this breakfast we're about to eat together. Uh, bless those who have made it. Uh, bless the conversation uh, that we get to have around these tables. And uh, again, God, we give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Well, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.